Hello and welcome to Caught Looking, a baseball podcast hosted by myself, Max Greenfield, and my co-host, Ryan Garcia. Ryan, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Look, uh, I'm very excited to get this started. It's really just like having an opportunity to talk just more generally about baseball and, you know, have an opportunity to hold what I think are going to be some really great baseball conversations. You know, I, I not that baseball is a sport that, uh, you know, you can go out and be right on everything with. This is a sport that you are wrong a lot and I'm going to be wrong a ton and I'm kind of excited to be right and also excited to be wrong on a lot of things. Um, you know, if we did this podcast last year, I imagine I'd be, you know, licking my wounds to my Oswaldo Cabrera takes or whatever it may be. So, you know, I, I'm extremely excited to get this started, man. Yeah, it's it's super exciting to do this for a couple of reasons. One, uh, we're both just baseball people. We talk baseball. We live baseball. We've been talking about baseball with each other probably for over a year now. And, you know, for me to do get kind of back into the podcasting thing, I wanted to do it with somebody that was first of all, young, I wanted to do it with somebody who was looking to kind of continue to get their name out there. You know, I've had a lot of experience in this business and everything. And a big thing for my success in this business, which is not much, but is, you know, something is to continue people have paved the way for me. So I want to do the same for people like yourself. And I feel like this podcast can certainly help each other both do that, but mainly for yourself to have more you know, evidence of your good work in writing and in podcasting and everything, you know, to help kickstart your career. So that was important to me. The other thing too, is you have experience doing podcasting and everything like that. So, you know, I don't, we don't really have to walk through, you know, the, the ins and outs of how to do this and everything like that. And three, you love baseball just as much as I do. And you have really good takes and you're a smart guy. And, you know, I think this is going to be a lot of fun. I, I think people are going to be shocked at, you know, just the amount of areas that we get into. People are going to be like, well, they're both Yankee fans. Trust me, we're going to try and avoid talking about the Yankees as much as possible because it's easy to go off on a tangent when that's your favorite team. But, you know, we're going to try and focus on all areas of baseball. We'll talk about trade deadline stuff in this upcoming episode. We're also going to, you know, in the future, we're going to talk about player development methods, you know, in my experience coaching and everything. We're also going to talk about analytics, of course, and, you know, finding sort of the, the you know common ground between you know analytics and sabermetrics and how to implement them. We're also going to be talking fantasy baseball. We'll be talking college baseball. We'll be talking prospects. We're going to talk everything. We're going to have a bunch of guests on, hopefully in the near future and stuff. We're going to start reaching out to people here soon. So it's, it's really the everything that you could possibly talk about with baseball. That's what we're going to hope to do. But to start with, we are recording in the middle of a trade deadline, a trade deadline that has been, you know, fairly quiet and is going to continue to be fairly quiet. So I think to kind of get us started, the biggest takeaway, or in my opinion, probably the second biggest takeaway so far is that the Texas Rangers are going for it. They have already traded for Max Scherzer, Jordan Montgomery, and who else did they trade for again? One more guy. Uh, they, I think they got Chris Stratton in that Montgomery. That's right. Deal. Yeah, they got Chris Stratton. So Improving the pitching staff already. Nathan Ovaldi is out with potential, hopefully nothing serious. They say it's nothing serious, but, you know, elbow injury, serious. It's always something. Uh, so they're trying to improve their rotation and they're going for it. Do you think this is the right call? 
Yeah, I think it's 100% the right call. The Texas Rangers right now look like a team that I think can try to put themselves in that, hey, we are the team of the AL entering this year. It feels like every year that role's gone to the Astros, and even in the years where they haven't won the pennant, and I think really the biggest exception is 2020, but you'd obviously point to a 60-game season, a weird performance from Jose Altuve, kind of felt like, you know, that team really didn't have a lot of their key guys, like Jordan Alvarez missed most of that year, Verlander got Tommy John that year, if people forget. Um, you know, the Astros have been the, the class of the AL for really the better part of six, seven years. And now the Texas Rangers, number one, are trying to, you know, win the first AL West in a full season uh, since 2016. Uh, they were actually, I think, the last team to do it since the Astros did it. I know the A's won one in 2020, but again, full season. Um, and the guys they got, I, I do think Scherzer has a little bit left in the tank. I know he's been giving up a lot of home runs, but I guess they're banking on him getting a lot better in that regard. And then Jordan Montgomery has quietly been one of the better starting pitchers in baseball. He's He's always reliable. This is a high floor, low, low ceiling kind of guy. He's not going to go out and strike 25 batters out, obviously a game, uh, but he's going to go out and he's going to give you some good outs. He'll struggle at times of command. He has one or two starts where he's just nibbling too much, but for the most part, he's stable. Um, you know, really over the course of the last three years, he's been a top 30-ish starter in terms of just value and um, even on a per rate basis has been really good. So overall, they've traded some pretty notable prospects in Luis Angel Acuna and Thomas Segezi. And I forget who's the other guy. I'm also really bad at pronunciation, so I apologize to Thomas. Uh, but overall, I mean, you get bullpen help in Stratton, you get two starters who I think really help you. And now if Evaldi comes back and he's, you know, cl even close to what he was this year, you have a really deadly rotation coupled with an offense that absolutely mashes. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Texas is doing the right thing here. They so desperately needed pitching. I mean, just despite the fact that they already had what would look preseason like a pretty solid rotation, they just needed more. And really what, I mean, the truth that, is, is that you can never have enough. Even when guys come back healthy, it, you you can never have enough good starting pitching. Montgomery is currently 17th in baseball on Fangraphs War, and it feels like he's just been in that 15 to 30 range every year for the past three years. Now we're big Montgomery guys. We, you know, I claim to fame is my article from Pitcher List by about Jordan Montgomery. But yeah, he's a very solid pitcher. Scherzer, I agree with you. He's 39, right? Like. Guy's just going to show signs of age. That's just that's just how it is. He's given up too many home runs. Yes, the hard contact allowed is very concerning. I think it's more of a command issue. The stuff is still good. It's not like he's losing a ton of velo. The slider movement's still relatively the same. It's a little different, but nothing you would consider out of the ordinary or bad. It's just a command thing. And usually command stuff is, is kind of volatile, especially, you know, working on the other side of things, you know, being a pitching coach. Some days, like, you just don't have good command. Some months, you just don't have the right feel for your command. But I, I agree with you. I think they did absolutely the right thing here in trading for going all in. You may never get another chance. As you said, Houston has dominated the American League pretty much pretty consistently since 2017. And you may never get another shot at this. Prospects are prospects for a reason. You know, the future is always green and rosy when, you know, it's not here yet. So it's, I think they did the right thing. I think it's okay that they didn't really trade anybody who I would say massively impacts their future too much, especially when, you know, we were talking about it before the show, their middle infield is pretty much locked up for the next, you know, five years anyway, right? Like they know what they're going to do in the middle of the field. So they're clearly trying to trade from that area of strength. And listen, that team breaks. They hit. So 
you put them in a three-game series, a five-game series, they are dangerous because they can just mash. And, you know, with Evaldi is healthy, if uh, Evaldi, Scherzer, Montgomery, Heaney, I mean, Perez, like they got they got guys who can shut you down on any given day in the postseason. You know, that's really you, – you need to be able to do three things well. Hit home runs, not give up home runs, and not walk guys. And you, if the, if the Rangers can do that, they should be fine. I because they can certainly hit home runs. They'll they'll really do that. Um, outside of that, I would say, man, the rest of these deals are just not that interesting. Like, what's the next most interesting deal? Maybe Robertson to Miami, just because that came kind of really out of nowhere. Like, who who would have thought that the Mets? A would trade within division. Not that that was that's not it's a little taboo, but it's not really the bad thing. If that's the best return, then that's the best return. But I mean, Miami's been known for developing arms, and they have Yuri Perez down there, waiting, developing, quote unquote. I don't know. The Marlins are so weird, but I I don't know. This deal just kind of struck me as odd, just because I didn't think they were in the market for an elite closer. I thought they were just going to look to kind of strengthen the bullpen through like the middle innings, but they, they went for the end of the game. Do you think that was weird? Do you think that was the right call? What do you think? So Miami's in a weird spot too, because like, I feel like Texas is a team that they've, yes, they're shocking because they've been so good this year coming off a really bad year, but that was a team with a lot of talent. Number one, that's a team that spends a lot. Number two, and, and they were bringing up a lot of really good offensive prospects. I don't know if I trust Miami. I don't know if I trust Miami to keep up what they're doing. And I'm not saying that Miami shouldn't trade, you know, for David Roberts. And obviously I'm not um, going to sit here and say that the wrong thing to do is go and buy. I understand from their perspective, like, Hey, you know what, especially in the national league, that wild card is really open. You know, you've gotten off to a really good start and end of the day, like, yes, run differential. It definitely matters. Like I, I'm not a believer that run differential is something you can just ignore in the postseason. you know, you reset all that stuff. All, you just need a ticket in and then everything else is swiped clean away and you just need to play some good baseball uh, for a couple of weeks. They certainly have the pitching to do it. It's just that they don't have the bats to do it. You mentioned the ability to hit home runs in the postseason. Yes, Miami, you trust them to limit them, but do you trust Miami to go out and hit them? You have obviously, know. yeah, you have Solaire. You're led by Luis Arise, who is a very good hitter. I know that the big thing is, you know, you're going to expect us because we're an analytics podcast. Say, oh, Luis Arise isn't that good because that's a narrative that goes on for some reason. Guy can hit. Yeah, Jeff Fry, looking at you, buddy. But, uh, <laughs> you know, o- overall, like, they they need some bats. I don't think they're too far away from being able to like actually make some noise in the postseason. But I feel like from the Mets standpoint, this was the right move to make. And, and they got two guys that, you know, have high ceilings, obviously super volatile because they're really young. But if you're the Mets, like this isn't a year to go for it. You just sell off and you essentially signed David Robertson and got two um, pretty talented prospects out of it. So if you're the Mets... All things considered, considering where you are right now, obviously it's a disappointing season. This is a good trade for you. This is a, this is a, you got value back that you're looking for. I would agree. I, I, if you're the Mets, it's hard to call anything this year a win, right? You were expected to be, you know, coming in one of the five best teams in baseball. And instead you're below 500, probably looking at like a 70 to 75 win season. That's not good. But in this individual deal, yeah, they, they come out here really, really strong. The guys they got in return, you know, we'll kind of talk about them a little bit later, but they did pretty, pretty well. In terms of the other moves, uh, Jordan Hicks went to Toronto today. The return on that was just fine. Wasn't anything crazy. It was a deal where you're like, okay, that makes sense. Um, Hicks is a little confounding 
Um, he throws the ball very hard for as many people know. He started to get the strikeouts that you'd expect for a guy with his kind of velocity. Um, I would say that's because the breaking ball got a lot better. And, you know, he's kind of just learning to locate his stuff in swing and miss territory now, not just I'll just throw it over the plate and if they hit it, they hit it. Um, which when you throw 104, that's not really a bad strategy. Um, but it's interesting because it's not enough for Toronto. So on an individual move, it's fine. It's, the, you know, you, you take it, you're definitely improving. But they, they still need a little bit more, I would say. Um, they've been in the market reportedly for some outfielders. Brent Rooker, Tommy Fan, Mark Canna have popped up. Um, I think if they get any of those, that's great deadline for them. Uh, but this move on itself, it's fine. Uh, Hicks, I don't know. I really just I, – I don't know what to make of him. I, I've always thought that the talent was always there. It looks like it's finally kind of coming around. But relievers, they look good for two months, and then they're awful. And so it's so impossible to tell. I like it. it. Right. My gut reaction is I like it for Toronto and it's just okay for St. Louis. How do you feel? So here's how I feel when it comes to Jordan Hicks and the Jays. Like I, I do think that, you know, yes, obviously Toronto hasn't lived up to their building, you know, from what you expected. I think 2020 was the year where you're like, okay, next, like 2021 is the year for this team. They didn't make the playoffs that year, right? 2022, you know, you feel like that that year, I'm pretty sure they're projected. And, and for the large part, like the consensus, like cool pick. They for were the, the best LEs. team in the AL. Right. Like supposedly. that was... That was the, the their thing, right? And it didn't go through for them. And then this year, not that this year has been terrible for them, but it feels like they shouldn't be in third place. Like, do you feel like at, during their in their window, it feels like, hey, this team should have accomplished a little bit more. And getting Jordan Hicks, like, is it going to necessarily crush, you know, uh, everyone in front of them? No. But is it something that is at least going to help the Jays? Is it going to give them a little extra depth, a little more oomph, a little uh, better chance to win these one-run, two-run games that sometimes they let get away from them? Absolutely, right? Especially you know, Romano hurt. I should, I yeah, should clarify. Another they, did, they made this move because Jordan Romano got hurt. And yeah, Hicks definitely helps. He definitely serves as the interim closer with Romano. Now the two of them together, that's a really deadly combo. But with Romano, the, the timetable has been reportedly a couple of weeks, but they're a little unclear. So let me just paraphrase. Yes, Romano and Hicks, that could be really good. But continue with your point. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, number one, I 100% agree. If they get those two together at any point during the season, that's going to be devastating. Um, And, you know, I feel like everyone's trying to look for, like, especially this deadline, like, oh, this is the trade that's a stealer. This is the trade that's, you know, they fleeced. Or I can't believe they got Jordan Hicks for this price point in a good or bad way, right? Some trades are just, they're solid, right? I, I feel like a lot of people with this deadline are going to look to find, and this happens every deadline, they're looking to find, like, this is the next big, like, fleece or whatever it may be or have an overreaction to every trade. Some trades are just, Good trade. Some trades just make sense, and they, they don't this all have to be yeah. right. This isn't. They don't all have to be robberies. They don't all have to be all timers. Some of them are just. Hey, this makes sense. The Jays lost their closer for an undisclosed amount of time, and they could use another high leverage reliever. And Jordan Hicks throws the baseball 103, 104 miles per hour. Make it makes sense, you know. It just. It, I agree with you. It's just one of those things where it's like, you know what? It makes sense. I like it for Toronto. I really doubt that those guys turn into anything, especially in St. Louis's system, which again we'll get into a little bit later. But moving on, probably we, we talk about how it's been a bit of an odd and quiet deadline, which really sums up the Dodgers. What are just what just again, just what just talk about the moves that they've made. So the they started off with getting, you know, Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly. Now, there's a lot of upside in both of those guys. 
But Lance Lynn has an ERA in the sixes, which is, you know, if you're not a baseball fan, historically not good. Uh, so that's odd. He is, however, missing a lot of bats. About 13.5, 14% swinging strike ratio. His career advanced metrics are pretty in line with his season advanced metrics, but he just cannot pitch in the first inning. Now, the Dodgers need starting pitching. If you watched today's game, you'll see that they're throwing rookies out there and they're just getting demolished consistently. Now, they're rookies. That's part of it. Those arms that they're throwing out there are very talented. Grove and Miller, I expect to be good big league arms in the future. But when you're trying to win a you know World Series in a transition year for the Dodgers, God, how good they have it, uh, is not great. So Lynn can help. And they can what they can do is open with those guys and then bring in Lynn. Now, I, will they do that? I'm not sure. They'd have to get buy-in from Lynn. And while Lynn seems like an interesting character he seems to be on that more old school don't open for me kind of vibe. But those moves, it's it's odd, but it makes sense. The move that puzzles me is what on earth were they doing trading for Ahmed Rosario? Now, they got rid of Noah Syndergaard. Fine, that guy stinks, his career's over, whatever. If he hears this, I'm sorry, but you're just not good anymore, bud. Just hang it up. Uh, but what is... What does Rosario do for that team that they don't already have? Like they have Rojas as a backup third baseman shortstop. I will say that a lot of their problems in the infield kind of just come from Gavin Lux getting hurt on a really freaky play in spring training. So it's not entirely their fault, but the dude is the worst defensive player in baseball. Literally, I'm sorry, he's the second worst. The other guy they traded for, Enrique Hernandez, is the worst defensive player in baseball. What are they doing? Help me out here. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know, man. I, I feel like the <laughs> Dodgers, they're weird. So, like, like they can get year, away with this, though, right? Right. Because they're so well ran, because I mean, they've been so good for so long that you're kind of just like, oh, yeah, they're the Dodgers. It will make sense. How, though? These guys are. They're they're I'm bad. Sorry. They're bad. To Med Rosario specifically, like, look, I can see He's Joe bad. Kelly. And, Joe Kelly, I believe in. I 100 percent believe Joe Kelly will be good for the Dodgers. Lance yeah, Lynn, I'm more so like. Eh, you know, I feel like he's. I one think of those, if they like, open for him, he's fine. But I don't and know they if could. they can get him to do that. Right, that's a big problem. This feels like a this feels like a Jay Hap, like a you know, hey, I open. I know that they do. I don't open. Yeah, you know, and, and then he now maybe Lance Lynn's open to it, or or you know, who knows, right? Maybe they can get him to buy in. Maybe they feel as if, you know, his stuff plays uh, better. You know, maybe they figure something out there. I have no idea. I know that for a while they were like historically grant suppressing BAPIP. Maybe they figured something or they looked at something they liked in Lynn's profile. Um, but in Ahmed Rosario's case, he's just not good. Good. So I don't Anything. really get it. And they don't, they're not going to have an off season after this to work with him. He's a free agent. And I don't imagine they're bringing him back you know, barring us having an all-time cold take and he just goes out and goes off. I like Rosario as like a, a person, like he seems cool, like he seems fun. Um, But overall, I just don't think he's good and I don't think that the changes he can make are going to happen in season. Now, again, it's the Dodgers, you know, like a big thing this offseason, oh, the Dodgers signed Jason Hayward as part of the solution and he mashes. So 
you know, I, I can understand, but in the same vein, there are the Noah Syndergaard's, right? Is the Meta Rosario just going to be like, oh, it's Noah Syndergaard, it's a Dodger to work out. Is that what a Meta Rosario is going to be? Which is, oh, he's not even good enough to work out with the Dodgers. We'll have to wait and see. He's not going to play every day, obviously, but the Dodgers feel like they're having uh, just a continuation of what their offseason was like. And it feels like they're gearing up to just make that one big move that we all know they're going to make in the off season, which we'll definitely get into. Um, but it's yeah, a per- you, you transitioned perfectly. Did g- great job. Oh my God. You, you got a serious future in the media business, my friend, because we're, we're going to lead right into it. We're, sorry, Enrique Hernandez. You're just not good enough worth discussing. Uh, the angels have decided to not sell and have decided to buy and are going for it because as Ryan basically was hinting at, they have the best player arguably in baseball history in Shohei Otani. And they weren't out of it by any means, but they weren't necessarily super in it either. They were in arguably what you could call mediocrity hell, where it doesn't really matter what you decide to do. It's not, you, it's tough to justify either direction in terms of just pure baseball. To the fans, this is fantastic. The Angels are going for it. Their fans deserve this. And if they make the postseason, it's awesome because then their odds of retaining Otani go way up. But the reality is, is that they're going for it on the off chance, and I mean very off chance, that they make it so that they they can. They're basically telling Otani, see, we were committed to winning with you. That's essentially what they're doing. Now, they traded for Lucas Giolino and Renato Lopez. That's actually a pretty good fit. They 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 needed a starting another starting pitcher. They needed bullpen help. Both those guys can fit that. Um, the Angels are not exactly known for their ability to tap into pitchers, but they do have some pretty good ones. You know, it, it, Patrick Sandoval is a very solid arm. Obviously, Shohei Otani. Um, you know, they they have they've had solid pitchers and everything, but they needed some bullpen help. The trade they just made about an hour or so ago with CJ Crone and Randall Grichik, that's a little bit more Crone kind of fits a little bit more. And Grichik is having a solid year. If they kind of platoon him to where he only faces lefties really into that deal. Again, the prospects they gave up weren't what you would consider like high caliber, but for the angels system, they're notable. Um, they're the angels are in a rough spot as a franchise. In, in my opinion, their farm system's not very good. Um, it's it's just okay with Artie Moreno around. They've been ran pretty terribly. Um, not the worst in the league, not even bottom three, maybe bottom five in my opinion, but that's more on Miranda than anything. But this is just, we want to show Shohei that we're going for it and that we can build a winner around him. Now, do you think this was the right move for the team in a baseball sense? Or do you think that they've made a serious mistake? So this is one of the harder questions I think you can answer. Now, from like, if you're Artie Moreno, right? Like, this is this is really the big thing here. From his perspective, like, he, number one, wants to make a profit, right? Like I, I mean, whether that's moral or not is, a, like, how he does it is a completely different conversation. Um, But, you know, that's number one. Number two, like, you know, he wants to be liked. He would like to see, like, good headlines about him. And from his perspective, right, selling Otani may be the right baseball decision, but in the off chance that the Angels make the playoffs, right, and then having Shohei Otani in the playoffs, like I, 
I don't really think I want to run into a Shohei Otani team in the playoffs, even if the depth is mediocre around him. And they he still can have carry Mike a Trout. team. Yeah. Right, he can. He is the one guy who you're like, okay, he can legitimately just put a team on his back and guarantee a win in a game one or in a game five, game seven situation, right? And if Artie Moreno, even if they don't bring back Otani, if he brings a World Series um, to the city of Los Angeles, or I guess not Los Angeles, more Orange County, um, fun- I learned this in California, guys. I've been to Anaheim, yeah. They're, yeah. they're different areas. As someone who lived in Santa Barbara, it, they're completely different areas. When they say was... Los Angeles, it's like not at all Los Angeles. It's like a good 30, 40 minutes. Well, depending on traffic from downtown. Yeah, I was told it's like the Long Island of Los Angeles of like to like that's it's the insulting, Long I- yeah. but I can't I, again, I'm not from L.A., so I can't really say, but I feel like that's insulting to Anaheim a little I, bit. It's not no, that I, bad. I will say this, too. Like I was driving from or we were driving from Orange County to Los Angeles and there was a bushfire. And that is why it gave us like an extra hour and a half of traffic, which I feel like shouldn't be as regular as it is. But the big thing here is if you're if you're already Moreno, you want to have like there is that off chance that you do that you you can just kind of spin it so that it's like I told the front office to buy they didn't want to buy I'm the owner who brought a championship to LA I I slammed my, like could you imagine the stories he gets to write and that the press yeah. writer like him I'm slamming. the owner that built yeah. around Shohei Otani yeah I'm the one who banked on this team I believe that I did it for the fans and this and that and when Otani leaves he can be like and Otani you know he didn't he didn't want to buy into our culture. You know, maybe he does like the LeBron, like the, the David Griffin letter to LeBron of like, we're going to win a championship before you, uh, whatever that may be. Um, I don't know if you remember when he left the Cavs, <laughs> you get like the, the, the letter, right? That letter. Yeah. That if maybe gets Moreno does like that'd that. be hilarious. That would be uh, honestly, uh, that would be hilarious. But like, ultimately if you're Moreno, like there's an opportunity for you, maybe it's a 1% chance. Maybe it's a 2% chance to never have to hear a bad headline for you again. Number one, number two, the world, a world series in Los Angeles would be remarkably po- profitable. The postseason in Los Angeles would be remarkably profitable. And number three, you know, you can just kind of put this on your front office. It doesn't work out. So, you know, uh, like there's there's there are lanes for him to escape this from a PR level. There is no way for the this is more like from the front office standpoint, it's like we're fucked. They're probably all gonna lose our jobs at some point in the next two years. It's so Moreno cares about one thing, as you said, profit. It's kind of what he's known for as an owner. Is like he'll do anything that makes him money. And Shohei Otani makes him a lot of money because he's the most popular player. He is the biggest player that we've had arguably ever. I mean, he's the first of his kind. And so that makes him very, very profitable. And he did this because he knows that. He kept Otani because he doesn't want to be the guy that traded Otani because that loses him money. He doesn't care about anything else. It's all just about money, as you said. From a front office baseball perspective, I don't know. I can't, I don't feel good about it either way. Because again, as I said, they're not entirely out of it. They're just not set up to do well because their strength of schedule is brutal to end the year. They they play some tough opponents to you know throughout the rest of the year. And they're four and a half, five out at the time of when they announced that they weren't going to trade Otani. It's the teams that they were trailing are arguably better. And B, they don't have the schedules that they do. So you're faced with that. You're faced with and if I trade Otani, you also admit on an organizational level that you're a failure because you had the best player of all time, arguably, paired with a guy who, if he was you know able to stay healthy at this point, would go down as one of the 10 best players of all time, and you didn't do anything. 
that stings. I feel for Angels fans because I don't know what I would do. You know, the baseball, you know, if I were working in a front office, you know, putting on my old employer hat and everything like that, I probably would have traded just because that that was the right thing to do baseball wise. But the fan in me, the fan of the game says that I, I, I appreciate that the Angels are going for it. I, I enjoy that fact that they're trying because more teams should. More teams should try. Um, but I don't know. It just, it, I feel like I'm going to look back at this at the end of the offseason when Otani inevitably goes to the Dodgers because the Angels didn't make the postseason and just go, boy, that kind of sucked because they did all this. They, they're going to lose Otani, who is pretty much 55 to 60% of their record, if I'm being honest. Like they, they've won as many games as they have because he's ungodly good this year. And when he leaves, they're going to be left with a pretty bad farm system, meh draft pick, and just kind of no ability to develop any of their talent and stuck with an aging, still very good Mike Trout, but a still aging Mike Trout. I don't know. I it only it only works if they make the postseason, and that's a really long shot. And I don't know. It just I I I feel like again keep going back to when Otani's at his introductory press conference with the Dodgers, because let's all be honest here. That's more than likely where he's going to go. If the angels don't make the playoffs, I just keep thinking in my head, man, that's going to suck so much for the angels in that regard. But at the, at the same time, they really only have to blame themselves, but that kind of leads into next segment. And we'll kind of, it will be a reoccurring segment and it's called buck stops here. Based off the phrase that the buck stops here, you're the man in charge of X team. Tell me what you would do from here. We're at the trade deadline. So this segment really just makes sense. So we're going to start with an interesting team that we haven't really talked about too much. And that is the San Diego Padres. You are AJ Preller, Ryan. What are you doing at this deadline? Yeah. So um, if I'm the Padres, I'm, I think I'm trading uh, Snell and Hader at this point. Look, I, I don't, I understand, you know, I, I get it. Like this team is on paper a lot better than what they've played as. Um, But you're not really going to like, this isn't a go for it year. And this is not a go for it deadline. That's, that's really the two big things here. And if you make Snell available, he immediately becomes the best pitcher available at the deadline. And I think they missed out already by not having him available for a team like Texas. The Rangers would have given them, I think, I mean, I don't giving what they gave up for Scherzer and Montgomery. I don't even, I, I honestly, I don't know what's too high of a price that they would have uh, balked at for, for Snell, especially if they got hater with it too. You might've gotten all the prospects from the Scherzer and uh, Montgomery deal plus more uh, for if you would have made that deal. And now you have two guys who can really help you. Now, here's the thing that I, I would serve as a good counter argument. It's that the Padres are really clogged up in their infield. But that's a team that I feel like has been a lot more aggressive in moving guys around the diamond than other teams, right? They, they've they put, you know, obviously they have uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. right field. I don't know if you remember, but they like uh, were in, intrigued by Nelson Cruz a couple of years ago, but when he was originally sent to the race. And I don't know if you remember that report that came out that they were trying him at like second base. They wanted to think about him there or story in the outfield. Like they're weird. They try, right. they, they put Rubian or door in their outfield multiple yeah. times this year aj preller's aj preller's a unique individual to say the very least um he is a one-of-a-kind type of gm not necessarily a good one but a one-of-a-kind one right 
Um, and, and I think that, you know, you missed out on an opportunity, I think, to um, get a lot of value back for these two guys already. Maybe you still can't. I mean, I'm not saying no one's going to bid for them, but I think you lost a big suitor in the Rangers who may not be as aggressive in that regard. Um, you know, these two guys are two of the best friends. You know, Josh Hader's having an unbelievable year. Like, people aren't talking about it enough. This guy's having, I mean, it doesn't he have like a sub, like, or like a, it's, it, I think it's sub one now, right? Unless I'm crazy um, or close to. It, it's a crazy ERA. He's, yeah, 0.90. He's been unreal this year. Yeah, he's, it's ridiculous. He, hey, I mean, he's what? It's him, Edwin Diaz, and what? Felix Class Bautista. really regret, regressed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bautista. Bautista's probably the guy. Yeah, it's it's it, it's those three, though. Like, those three are head and shoulders better than everybody else. So, yeah. And honestly, I mean, Hater makes sense for Texas for baseball reasons and other reasons as well. Um, if, you're, but... yeah, if, you, if you're getting into the memes of it, yes, it does <laughs> make sense. It would, but like legitimately, that would have been a perfect fit. Um, I don't think they should trade Soto just because even like, I know the idea is, well, what if you don't bring him back? Well, if you win the World Series next year, the Soto trades a success. Like immediately, it doesn't matter what happens. Like I, I think that's a better one than the Sten. I think that's better from a baseball standpoint than the Otani one, ju- like in terms of keeping and justifying it, because the Padres are legitimately capable of being very good. The Angels don't feel like they have that same firepower. And AJ Preller pulls off so many crazy trades that it's in the realm of possibility for him to win one or two. I mean, he won the Snell trade, arguably. Like Patino hasn't amounted to much. Um, you know, you still have like Hassan Kim is there for another year. He's been an absolute star for the Padres. Bogart to imagine. I think he was due for a regressive aggression because he's going to San Diego, but he's still been a solid player. He's not bad. Overpaid, sure, but it doesn't make him a bad player. Machado's obviously still there. Tatis is obviously still there. You have him for a full season. You there's an avenue for that team to win a World Series with Soto, but for Snell and Hayter, I think you trade them and try to get you can even go out and say, hey, let me get some MLB ready guys. And suddenly you're looking really good for 2024. So I definitely agree with you that I think they should it from what it sounds like. At the moment, they're unlikely to sell anybody. Um, now, their argument is that they have a plus 63 run differential, which is actually second in their division, and I'm pretty sure top three in the National League. So they should be a lot better than they are. And they just swept the Rangers. So they're now two games under 500. They, they're going to make that argument that they're not out of it by any means. They're four games back of the Diamondbacks, um, I believe they're only three games back of the Cubs. They're they're right in the thick of it. The problem is they have to leapfrog a lot of teams in front of them because, yes, as I mentioned, the Diamondbacks and Cubs, they also have the Phillies and the Marlins. You know, it, it, there are multiple teams in front of them that they have to uh, leapfrog. So I would have traded Snell and Hayter for sure. I, I think you can still potentially make the postseason this year even without those guys, depending on your, the returns for those guys, um, you know, what you had gotten, but I I'm going to disagree with you. I think they also should have traded Soto too, because Preller loves to wheel and deal. Yes. But also even without Soto, this team could still be a playoff team next year, depending on the return of Soto, which I assume given this market would have been ghastly. So I think they should have traded all three of them. I think they should have sold, but I understand why they didn't. Their plus 63 run differential is third in the national league. And again, as we said, it's not everything, but it is worth noting that they should be a lot better than they are. That team was expected to be arguably that team was actually expected to win the division. 
let's be honest. They, the Dodgers were in a transition year. That roster looked really solid. You thought with Bogarts, like they'd certainly hit it's, you know, Bogarts has been, as you said, just solid enough Machado getting hurt and just being not that good for a while really kind of killed things, but they still believe in that team. And it's kind of hard not to, right? Like they're so talented. That lineup is so deep. And when they're all clicking, it's really good. I mean, Kim has been great this year. Soto is obviously Soto. He's got what, like a 150 WRC plus or something. He's one Soto. He's great. Uh, Tatis has been great coming back from his suspension. Also been doing a good job of not really making headlines for himself. And given the past two years, that's a lot of progress for him. Uh, So it's, I don't know. It's a tough, I, much like the, I think you're right in that it's not that similar to the angels in the sense of they're much better set up for 2024 with or without Soto than they are. The angels are with or without Otani, but it's similar in that regard of they're in mediocrity hell. Like it, whatever you decide to do, it better work or else it looks really bad. Um, so I'm not sure if I were AJ Preller, I I'd probably be sweating over my job though. Because if, if I don't find a way to make the postseason, I'm probably getting canned. Which, as you said, he's he's a GM. Like, you can say he is one of the 30 that there are. Is he a good one? Probably not. Like, probably he's just, he's made some trades that have aged very poorly. I remember, if you're not following Robert Frey on Twitter, you probably should. Because he does a lot of really interesting tidbits. But he did that chart. I, I think I sent it. But... It was the chart of traded draft players away in draft and then acquired players via draft. And what was the difference? They were, they had the highest, the Padres had the highest negative difference in players traded versus players acquired that were drafted from, I think, 2010 on. That's bad. (laughs) Now, a large part of that is because they traded Anthony Rizzo and Trey Turner. So both those guys are pretty good. Well, sort of pretty good this this year they've been not that good but in their careers they've been pretty good so that hurts but also just that kind of reflects preller he'll make a big move the tatis deal is kind of his claim to fame but he's made a lot of really big mistakes and so perhaps san diego maybe feels like not doing anything is their way to negate that (laughs) is can't make a mistake if i don't make a trade uh, but maybe that's not true either. So I don't know. I don't know what they would have done if I would have traded all three of them. Cause I think the return, especially in this market that we're seeing would have been insane. But again, they have a really good run differential. They should be a lot better than they are. Perhaps it's worth going for it. And we won't know until we find out. Um, moving on to the next team though. The Cubs announced today that they're not going to trade Cody Bellinger. They are 53 and 52. They lost today to end their uh, eight game winning streak. Do you think they are making the right decision? You are. What's his name again? Jed Hoyer. You are Jed Hoyer, Ryan. Would you have traded Cody Bellinger? Would you have sold? Would, Would you buy in the next two days? What are you doing as the GM of the Cubs? So personally, I think they should have sold. I mean, I know the run differential is pretty good. I know the NL Central is pretty open, but it doesn't feel like, like, how do I put this? If the Padres get hot somehow and make the playoffs, 
they are immediately a World Series contender. Like they're immediately like the World Series odds are gonna be really good. If the Cubs make the playoffs, they're instantly like a contender for the worst team, if not the worst team in the postseason. Maybe Miami gets in there and, and Miami's arguably worse than them. I could see an argument for that, but like entering the playoffs, it feels like they have an outside shot. Now, in baseball, more so than other sports, just getting in might be enough. But it's not like you expect the Cubs to buy, whereas in Miami's case, you do expect Miami to buy, and they already did with David Robertson. So it feels like this is just what the Cubs are going to be for the rest of the season. I think they should have sold. I don't know if you're going to get the value from Bellinger you're looking for for the rest of the year. I don't even know if he's going to stay there. Maybe another team blows him away, him away with an offer. Um, you know, I, I just I think they're banking on the fact that they'll extend Bellinger. Um, and I don't know, like maybe that they're right on that. If you know, end of the day in two weeks, they could come out with an extension on Bellinger. And now everything I say doesn't matter, but if they aren't able to extend Bellinger and he goes elsewhere, it's going to look really bad. And I would have just taken the risk of trading him and then looking to re-sign him at the end of the season. I think people overplay the effect of getting traded by a team. As long as you have the best offer and the relationship between the front office and the player remains strong, there's no reason for a player to be, uh, you know, not okay with coming back to a team that traded them, right? We've seen it pretty often. Obviously, the Chapman example when, you know, the Yankees traded Chapman in 2016 to the Cubs is the most prominent one. But, you know, is it impossible for them to get Bellinger back in the offseason? Absolutely not, especially if they traded him. And in this market, man, Think of the return they could have gotten. Um, they would have, I mean, the whole league would be betting on him, basically. Or not betting, but bidding for him. Strowman, especially, too, in this pitcher's market, they should have, I think they should move him. More so than Bellinger, because I, I don't know if Strowman's coming back. I feel less confident about him coming back than Bellinger. Um, overall, I just, it, it feels like they're not choosing to buy instead of sell. They're choosing to just not do anything. And, and I think that's, like, out of the Angels and Padres, I think theirs is the one that makes the least amount of sense to me. The Angels are choosing to buy and not sell with Shohei Otani. The Padres are choosing to just see what this core can give them. The Cubs are just kind of like, all right, yeah, we're good enough. Like, you're not, and you're also not bad enough to sell maybe, but you're not good enough to do nothing. The Cubs are writing off of some really good performances from Justin Steele, who's probably a top five Cy Young vote getter right now. Uh, Dansby Swanson has been really good. Um, you know, and Cody Ballinger, right? Cody Ballinger has been way, way better than anybody anticipated. He is not as good as he is playing. I kept telling you and other people that the better he played, the more nervous I got about trading for him. Baseball is a game of averages and means. Nobody is above their average and mean for that long. Now, some guys' averages and means are much, much higher. The average of Shohei Otani, Aaron Judge, Jose Ramirez, you know, those kind of players is much, much higher than that of Cody Ballinger. And so he's been hitting like 410 for about a month. What usually follows in cases like that is a dramatic and very steep fall off. I agree with you. I think the Cubs should have sold on Bellinger because he's going to fall off. And listen, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And I'll chew the crow, whatever. I'll gladly wear that. I'm wrong all the time, all the time. I had a tweet about Stanton that I thought he wasn't very good anymore. And he proceeded to hit two home runs on the same day. So I'm used to it, but again, he's been so raging hot that why wouldn't you sell? You're the, also, it's not like the Cubs. Here's the difference is the angels had a bad, have a bad farm system, right? Padres, they got some prospects who are good, but they're young. The Cubs farm system is solid. It's good. They got talent that's coming. PCA or Peter Crow Armstrong, 
hypothetically is a very solid, suitable Bellinger replacement in the near future. So you can trade Bellinger and in 2024 be arguably just as good if you just played PCA or, as you said, tried to re-sign Bellinger because he's nowhere near as good as he's playing right now. Nowhere near. I'm sorry. He does a couple things well. He pulls fly balls, which is always a good thing. If you can pull a fly ball, your ability to hit that ball hard matters a little less. But he doesn't hit the ball particularly hard and doesn't do it at a particularly high rate. That's concerning. Again, as I said, when you pull fly balls as well as he does, you can kind of get away with it a little bit. But he is relying on some bad bit block. His strikeout percentage is, I think, the lowest of his career. So he's just kind of being able to flick the ball over the field a little bit more. And this isn't like a Luis Arias situation who has perfectly mastered his launch angle and attack angle to be able to swing on a type of pitch and know exactly the type of contact he wants to have on it. This is kind of just, oh, I'll flick it over and hope it goes for a hit. It, it's fluky. It just doesn't seem sustainable. And I don't know, should the Cubs sell again? We talk about this of like, you have to sell it to the fans, right? Like sell it to the fans that you're above 500 and you're still selling. You have the fourth best run differential in the national league. Yeah. But this team it, it do they have the run differential that they have because they're a good team or is the rest of their division just so goddamn awful that there's no standout. I mean, they're in third place in their division and the Brewers are in second with a minus 14 run differential, and the Reds are in first with a plus three run differential. Their division stinks. It's awful. It's not the AL Central, which is even worse. And if you're a fan of the AL Central team listening to this podcast, I want you to know that's not personal, but your division sucks. And I hope you feel bad about it. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. I hope you don't feel bad about it. You probably know how bad your division is. The Cubs should have sold. Stroman, I think, still might get traded because he's been kind of bad for a bit now and a team in this market that's desperate for pitching might be willing to still kind of overpay for him but here's the thing about stroman is he's kind of just a not quite as good maybe but he's just a right-handed version of jordan montgomery low ceiling high floor pitcher relies on ground balls relies on throwing a lot of strikes isn't going to punch a ton of dudes out he's a solid pitcher he's also unlikely to resign as you said now, again, could be wrong. Cubs make a push, but Marcus Stroman's not the kind of guy you're trying to build your rotation around. He's the kind of guy that you acquire to make your good rotation better because he's a solid inning. It's not an innings eater, but he's a solid guy who will you know, throw 160 to 190 innings a year and give you a mid to high three ERA, and you're going to feel good about his performance pretty much every time he pitches. That's the kind of guy you trade at the trade deadline when he's a rental, I would sell too. I, I think if I were the GM of the Cubs, I would have traded Stroman. I would have traded Bellinger, but since they're buying or maybe standing pat, if they are going to buy it, they need a first baseman desperately need a first baseman. They have gotten zero production out of first base this year. If you're the Cubs, I think you try and see what you can do to maybe pay as little as possible for Anthony Rizzo. The Yankees are in probably what's a bit of a buy and sell situation. Um, there have certainly been a letdown this year, as with many other teams. 
And Rizzo has been really bad post injury on his neck shoulder from Tatis in the San Diego series. It's just like, it's not working out for the Yankees. They need to probably go in a different direction. They need to get younger. And again, this is a guy who was the face of your franchise for many, many years. I think you can justify it as he's in an improvement at first base because he's still very good defensively and he can hit enough, potentially would hit better as soon as he got traded. Maybe he just needs to get out of New York. New York's such a weird market. You have no idea how people are going to react to playing in it and then react once they leave it. It's impossible to tell. So if they are looking to buy, Rizzo makes sense. I mean, he just makes sense on all accounts. I think it's something that both teams should explore. It's probably not going to happen, but it is something that I would be, if I were them, willing to do. With that said, I think they should sell. I don't think they should buy. If they're not selling, maybe look at Rizzo. Outside of that, just stand pat. Hope that you can re-sign Bellinger in the offseason, but he's probably going to want a serious payday if he can somewhat keep up this production. The final, we'll talk, actually, we'll talk about two more teams. The next team I'll talk about is the Mets. What is this one a year it's been? They're going pretty much in a full sell mode. They've already traded David Robertson. They've already traded Max Scherzer. Next up on the block is probably Tommy Fan or Mark Canna. Do you, you're the GM of the Mets. You're Billy Epler. You're talking with Steve Cohen. Who are you looking to dump? Who are you looking to trade? Is there anybody that you're looking to acquire and work with? Are you looking to work with any team specifically? Yeah, so um, I, I would say that because of the corner outfield market, like you obviously expect teams like the Yankees, the Astros, those are teams that have been thrown around with, with, with needing outfielders. So those are two teams you're obviously going to find yourself in conversations with. The Yankees have a farm of guys who just are either A, not going to really get a shot because there's a lot of guys uh, at their position. So like, for example, maybe you can pry away one of their pitching prospects. Like it feels like one of Beater, Fitz, or maybe even Hampton are going to be gone at the deadline, even if they don't fully buy. Um, you know, the Astros are a team that don't have, they're not known for having a great farm right now, but you know, they can probably piece something together. And, you know, it's like, you're trading a superstar level player that requires, you know, a top hundred prospect to get back. Um, so, you know, if you're taking Tommy Pham or Mark Hanna, getting the Astros, like number seven prospect may not be the best thing in the world, but you know, it's better than having just losing those guys of free agency or losing those guys or having those guys in your roster for the rest of the year. Um, and you know, doing nothing with them. The Mets are a team that need, they need to acquire as much prospect depth as possible. They have the money to just eat all the salary on these contracts too and get teams to buy, you know, kind of also on that point of, Hey, they have enough, they have the money to get teams to, you know, uh, buy on the fact they can say, all right, we'll trade them to you. You don't have to pay a single dime of the contract. We just need a little bit more that opens up the market to a lot of smaller market teams, right? Miami is a team that always is going to need bats, right? And they just made a trade with Miami. So maybe they're willing to double uh, dip in that realm. Um, you know, you have teams out West, like the angels and the, uh, not the angels, excuse me, I believe they're probably done with Randall Gritchick now. Um, but you have the Rangers and the Astros, you know, who are going to be competitive in bidding. Maybe they throw a hat in the ring. Um, you know, the Dodgers are looking for bats. I believe they have some interest in Tommy Pham. Maybe I read that somewhere. I might be wrong there though. Um, you know, if the Padres are not selling and maybe they buy, maybe they're stupid enough to like AJ Preller is pretty crazy. You never know. The twins might be looking for more right-handed offense since they have a lot of left-handed corner outfielders. Um, you know, maybe even the guardians, they're like what a game and a half out, you know, they might be looking to pick up a bat cause that offense stinks. Um, Red Sox might be looking for someone. I don't think they're looking for an outfielder per se, but you know, maybe they buy on, uh, 
one of their relievers. I don't even know. Like at this point, maybe they like say, Hey, Adam Adovino, we'll try that again. I, I don't know, man. Um, but anything, anyone that has any sort of interest, that's going to be under con that's their contracts up next year. You get rid of them, right? You have the money to bring anyone you want to this team. Really? You don't have to worry about, you know, Oh no, we don't have Tommy fam for half a season. If you want a guy back that badly, you could just pay them the Mets. They're in a position where they just have to sell, 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 and sell. I, you're right. They, they're selling on everything and everything that they can. Um, there's really outside of fam and canna and maybe Verlander, though it sounds like Verlander's probably not going to get traded. There's some teams that are hesitant about that 2025 option. Makes sense. You signed a 40 year old to a two year and an option deal. You're when you're the richest man in, in the league, you can do that. Every other team's going to be like, that's a bit crazy. Um, so makes sense that they're probably not going to trade them. And with kind of the market next year for starting pitching, not really being that great. It kind of makes sense to keep Verlander, right? Like I think it makes sense to keep Verlander. Don't you agree? Yeah. If they're looking to compete in 2024, which I don't see why they shouldn't because they have P. Alonso only for one more year after this year. And that's 2024. Uh, you have Lindorna's prime. Um, you have Kodai Senga, obviously, who, you know, he's not old per se, but he is in his 30s. So you'd like to win now and not when he's 35. And you have um, Alvarez, who's been right pretty good. Like, he'll, and he'll get better next year, right? Like, you hope they should be competitive for 2024. Yeah. Like, they walked into this year. Like, I know some people were like, oh, I'm down on the Mets, but like, they're, they were walking into this year's consensus top five. Like, they were, they were one of those, hey, this team will 100% make the playoffs, right? And, and this, like, unless something horrible happens. And we live in the heaven. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I, again, I understand, you know, like Verlander is going to have a, 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 you know, value on the market, but like the team that seems the most likely of the Astros and number one, not only do I not want to see that for personal reasons, but like number two, and most importantly, the Astros, like they have enough to get like a corner outfielder from the Mets, but do you want to trade Verlander for like, unless you're getting like Drew Gilbert, which I don't think the Astros are trading him. Like, who are you really getting in that farm system? That's like, yeah, we need to like blow your socks away. Good type offer. I don't think there's anyone there. I, I agree. I don't think there's anybody there either. I think they kind of, and it seems like the Mets have kind of realized that is like, we're not really getting the offers that we want on Verlander. So might as well just make sense to kind of just wait. And, you know, again, if you want to trade him in the offseason, you could, but I don't think that'd be worth it either. I think you can come into 2024 with Verlander as your ace, and he's still solid. He's got a mid-three ERA. The strikeouts are down. Yes, he's 40. That should be the expectation for a 40-year-old pitcher. He should not be striking out 30% of hitters, but he didn't do that last year either, and he had a sub-two ERA. Now, ERA is very volatile. If you're listening to this, don't worry. We are a sabermetric, you know, influenced podcast. We understand that ERA is not a great metric, but he's, I mean, he was still very good last year with pretty similar peripheral numbers to this year. Yes. The hard contact rate is worse again, 40, he's 40, but he's still like, if he go into a playoff series and he's your number two, you have to feel pretty good about that. Even if he's your number one, like you'd still be like, okay. And he's been able to, especially recently, kind of find that gear again. I Listen, I think you have to, if you're a Mets fan, it's pretty easy to be discouraged with this year. And especially given their vast history of failure as an organization. Sorry, Mets fans, but it's what it is. It's just, it's easy to be kind of dismal. But I kind of like them for 2024. They got some talent coming. 
Acuna is not too far away. One of the guys that they, you know, acquired the guys they traded David Robertson for are very far away, but those are really good guys that they got. I don't know. I, I like the Mets for the future. My girlfriend, my fiance, sorry, my fiance. If, she, if you're listening to this page, I apologize. Uh, my fiance is going to be furious at me that, you know, saying something nice about the Mets, but I, I, I think they're, what they've done so far has been really good for them. And I think that they still can find a way to be competitive for 2024. I do think it's really bad that they're really bad though. Like, I think it's bad for the game that the Padres, the Yankees and the Mets are all not in the postseason right now. Like that's really bad for baseball. Um, But kind of leading into that, we'll do one more team and we are Yankees fans and what the heck might as well. The Yankees are what four games over 500 right now. Um, it's, they haven't done anything yet, this deadline. And they kind of were waiting for this series to play out to see what they should do. I don't know if that was the right move or not, because seeing the returns on some of these deals kind of makes me feel like it is a seller's market. So Ryan, you're Brian Cashman. You've been the GM for 25 years. You are arguably in this game's vaunted history, the most successful general manager in baseball history. You're kind of on the hot seat, though. What are you doing? Ah, oh, man, this is tough. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, I don't really know. Uh, I, I, I think that, you know, the big thing is the Yankees have really struggled with offense, right? That's that's the thing this they year. They can't right? hit. Yeah, and, you know, it, it's weird because, like, historically speaking, obviously they've had great teams, so, you know, great teams typically hit, so you expect that that's a thing. But even in the years, like, the the baby, the baby bomber era, like, even the years where they weren't winning the World Series, like, they hit, right? Like, that was their thing. They they went out and matched. Like, this concept that, like, they've always, like, Brian Cashman's flaws always been hitting is just not true, right? Like, they've, historically speaking, Brian Cashman's team. They're the best offense in baseball last year, by the way. Right. Like, like, <laughs> they're like, really good offensively last 2017, year. 2018, 2019, like, that team just, they could be. They, they ranked. They all I'm, ranked. Yeah, I'm not like convinced. I'm not entirely convinced that like if you just were a member of the 2022, the 2019 Yankees, excuse me, at any point in time, your OPS plus was probably like 100, if not higher. Like they had Mike Talkman, Mike Ford, Cameron Maben hit for them. Uh, you know, the only guy really like notably wasn't as good as he should have been was like Didi Gregorius, and and that's it, right? Um, so you're used to the Yankees hitting. They're not hitting right now. They have a good farm. Like they they had six guys in the in Baseball America's top 100. Obviously, they didn't have anyone in the top 50, but you know they have a deep farm. And, and for a team that already has Aaron Judge and Garrett Cole, you're not looking to just you know you don't need to necessarily have the next like Ronald Acuna or the next um you know Spencer Strider out there. I'm using Braves examples because those are just the easiest, you know. But you just need guys who can be above average starters at different positions. The outfield's been a big problem. You look at like Everson Pereira has broken out this year. I know that he was already considered a pretty good prospect, but now he's like. All right, this guy is probably a top 100 guy. Um, not necessarily ready right now. Needs more time, but you, you look at him as maybe a fix there. I don't know if this is the deadline to go trade for someone externally after the shellacking against the Baltimore Orioles. Like I imagine, if the Yankees win the, the next series they play, which I think is the Astros, I'll like sit here and convince myself they should buy. Like 24 hours ago, I was tweeting like five or six variations of "Go get Heimer Candelario," um, but. I don't know. Like, this is not an easy call. I think buy and sells the call. Like, you got to get rid of Bader, not because he's a bad player. Like, I think he's on pace for like three and a half or four war per 600 plate appearances. But obviously, he's never going to get to that point because he's always hurt. The issue is he's a defense guy on a team that can't hit. Um, That doesn't really mesh very well. 
Uh, as a player, he's like a good player. Like I, I think the reaction to him not playing as well now is kind of to gone overboard. Like he's objectively like an above average center fielder. He's just not an above average center fielder in terms of like offense. what they need, right? Yeah. And what they need, yeah. He's so, not what they need. There's a team that needs him that that they'll trade something valuable for him. If you're you're the Yankees too, like you're gonna pay him regardless. Just eat the salary on it and say, all right, it's not a lot of money anyways, but say, all right, we'll eat the salary on that and like Wani Peralta too, and just he's also fresh in the year and just take him. You know what I mean? And we'll take some prospects back. They should try to look to move Rizzo. I think they can. Um, probably like dangle Herman and see what you can get for him, especially since you're getting Cortez back and, you know, you assume Severino is going to get moved as well or DFA in some manner. You can try to figure out spot starts if you're kind of punting this season away or if you're retooling, whatever the word is. We've seen them do that and get better in the second half. This team is still also capable whenever they have Aaron Judge and Garrett Cole of just dominating for a two to three week stretch of making the playoffs. It feels like anyone they could trade won't hurt their playoff odds too much. So that's why I think they should do it. Like just buy and sell because if you don't have Wani Peralta tomorrow, it's not like your team is a million times worse. You'll probably just like find, I mean, Luis Hills. You'll bring up some random guy that nobody's ever heard of that throws 98 and be really good because that's what the Yankees do. They produce relievers like it's, and Afros is back next year. Trevino might be back next year. Like yeah. heels back at some point this year. Um, you know, that's three guys right there who could be on the opening day team. And you, you're going to need to make room. Even if you like option Marinaccio, you still have room. Um, you know, Marinaccio had a pretty good outing, I think today. So that's at least encouraging. It was pretty him. solid. Yeah. You have Hamilton for the long run. People forget Hamilton is like got five years. He has like five years extra of control. They could also look to trade him. Who knows? Um, they have the wise go. They have Holmes. They have King. They they have the like the the piece of their team that controllable long term and would get a lot back for them. You're not going to trade. And, and then the guys who are rentals who can get you something. They're not too impactful. You're probably not bringing them back. Whatever it may be, just trade them. Um, you'll probably win those trades too. Like I know people get upset at Brian Cashman for the big ones, and I definitely have my own opinions on some of the big trades. But whenever he does choose to get a prospect back, like. He does a pretty good job. I know Clint Frazier didn't pan out, but that's surplus value for uh, Andrew Miller. You got Torres for Chapman. That's not just surplus value. That's all-time great value back. And you resign Chapman. Um, you know, the beater trade, like you get beater back, even if he doesn't become anything. If he's a part of a deal with anyone, um, that's a massive, massive success. They've improved the drafting. Like, Catherine knows his prospects. I think he's done a really good job in that front. He's never traded anyone who's bad, which or who's really good, which is like, inherently going to drive some teams away from trying to trade for him with him, but like not, it hasn't done it to a point where it affects them massively. Overall, I think you can agree with me here. This is a team. This is a GM you trust to make the selling moves. And this is a team you trust to kind of rebound because they have the talent to do it. Yeah. I, I think he's are in a tough spot because they're not out of, it. they're more in it than the angels are right. Like you could justify buying more than you probably could if you're the angels in a baseball sense, but also it just like you just watch the team and you're just like, I just don't think this team's good enough. Like I, I just don't, I don't think the team's good enough. Part of that is you have to kind of figure out how they got here. The, the, the first step was they didn't do enough in the off season. They didn't go sign a legitimate outfielder. Now, part of that is because that they believed in Oswaldo Cabrera. I can't fault them for that. Cabrera should have been much better than what he was. It's hard to get mad at them for believing in their prospect who should have been pretty good. And I think will be a solid enough big leaguer, but they still should have gotten an outfielder. So that's, that's on them. That's kind of a flawed process there. It also comes back to the Donaldson trade. As you mentioned, like people have a lot of opinions. I'm not going to really rehash that, but it comes back to, in my opinion, those two things. Um, 
fun fact though, Isaiah Counterfluff has actually been pretty solid this year. Like guys kind of done what you would hope a utility bench bat would do. He's been roughly average off fun, offensively and then terrible in that field, but pretty much solid everywhere else. So I don't know. I, it's those two deals are those two issues are why they're at where they're at. Right. But Cashman, I asked this the other day because they sent down Oswaldo, uh, Oswald Peraza for Aaron Judge, which m- made a lot of people upset because their handling of Peraza, in my opinion, just says that they clearly think that they, he's just not as good as the rest of us think. Maybe that's true. Maybe that's not. But at the same time, I can't remember outside of maybe Tyro Estrada, which was brought up. I can't remember the last time the Yankees didn't play a prospect and then they ended up being good. You know, people are like, well, they traded Duran for Gallo. Duran in the minors versus what Duran is now are completely different players. Ezekiel Duran was not hitting the ball nearly as hard as he is right now. That's a credit to him in Texas. They clearly did a very good job in developing him. But that, he wasn't anywhere close to what he is now. Um, So it's hard for me to say, like, Cashman doesn't know his players. He clearly does. It's very rare that, like, Cashman, you know, trades a guy and then they turn into a star, right? Like that just doesn't really happen all that much. With that said, I think buy and sell is the route here. Trade Rizzo if you can. Trade Bader if you can. Trade any reliever because you produce them like they're nothing. You know, again, if somebody comes calling for Clay Holmes right now, I think you should probably listen to that offer. Now I know they're going to be like, well, Clay Holmes helps you in 2024. Absolutely. This dude's a stud reliever. Probably, I don't think I can name five better than him right now. He's really, really good. But the returns on some of these, I mean, you saw the David Robertson return. It was nuts. I mean, that's a great return for a a rental reliever. Imagine what they could get for Clay Holmes. Like, you kind of have to hear it out. There's been rumors that the Marlins are really interested in Glaber Torres. I Like, that's a hard sell because you need offense and he's consistent you know, at being inconsistent, I guess, if that makes sense. Uh, he's productive, right? It's hard to trade away a guy who's been productive. So, you know, but if you get, if you get a guy who's got several years of control and is, is a solid pitcher, which is what the Marlins are known for, you have to consider it. But beyond that, yeah, trade Bader, trade Rizzo, look, trade Wandy Peralta, Trade Holmes if the deal presents itself. You know, trade Tommy Canely if the deal presents itself. Trade any reliever, really. If the, I think you can dangle Herman. I, you can be you. The last we talk about, you know, we kind of mentioned 2016 and the deals that they made and everything like that, and that worked out extremely well for the Yankees. You know, that deadline kind of revamped everything for them and made you know the Chapman deal alone was probably one of in terms of baseball perspective an absolute travesty to trade a rental relief like one of the top prospects in baseball for a rental reliever but the Cubs won a world series so it's fine like that deal is totally justified uh but that's kind of the model you can kind of live with and work with a little bit and if that's what you're thinking like man there's no reason not to try and sell some guys right here if you wanted to buy In my opinion, you should be buying with control, trying to buy guys who will be on the team for 2024 and beyond, not rentals. Because, yes, Condelario is probably the best player on the market, and he would help them get to the playoffs. But is it really worth it? 
in this market? I don't really know. Like, probably not. The, the return you're going to have to give up to get Candelario is probably not one worth justifying on a team that maybe just isn't really good enough. But you can do it and then sell on some other things and maybe have it work. But I think you should prep for 2024 if you're really thinking in that regard. But I, I don't know. I'm curious to see what they do because it, they haven't done anything so far. And they the worst thing they could do is stand pat. You have to either sell or buy. You can't do nothing. Um, but we're going to end, you know, on a couple, just kind of talking about, we, we mentioned some prospects that got traded, um, you know, prospects are, they're called prospects for a reason. You're not going to see them for a few years, but is there, give me one prospect that you really liked that got traded so far. Yeah. I, I love the addition of Luis Angel Acuna by the New York Mets. Um, from the Mets perspective, like, Yes, Max Scherzer is still capable of returning back to, you know, being a really good pitcher, not necessarily like winning a Cy Young, but, you know, being productive. But ultimately, I, I think you're kind of, if you're the Mets, you'd like that $40 million, that, you know, not $40 million entirely, but you'd like some money to kind of splurge into a, a free agent market that might have Jordan Yamamoto, uh, not Jordan Yamamoto, excuse me, um, Yoshinobu Yamamoto, who, I mean, he might be really good, man. He might be, he might be that guy. Like just through all the reports, all the stuff, like, I would love to have a chance to, to acquire him if I'm a team that needs starting pitching and they're going to need starting pitching. Um, they have Kodai Senga. You imagine Verlander stays. So that's now you're building the, um, you know, the foundation of a really strong rotation entering 2024. Um, you know, you add Acuna, who's a really good prospect, a younger guy. This is someone that, yes, is a shortstop. And people pointed out that, well, why the Mets acquiring another shortstop? When you acquire a prospect as a shortstop, you can probably move them over the diamond. Uh, they can put him at third. Not that Beatty's story is over, but he hasn't necessarily played extremely well. And they have had issues at third base for a while. You could, uh, you know, maybe look into that. He is a shorter guy, so maybe he profiles more for second base and you slide McNeil over to third. Um, but, you know, ultimately, you're, you're going out and trying to get the best player uh, you possibly can. And if Acuna becomes the impact bat for them, if the Mets can say, all right, we turned Max Scherzer, considering, again, the context of the season, you cannot consider, I, I, as you mentioned earlier, it's, you cannot really pull a lot of wins from this year for the Mets. But if you can turn Max Scherzer, who was having a career worst year, into a guy who might be a top 100, might be even top 50 prospect, I think that's a win. I like the addition. I, I, I love him as a prospect. And I love the first name, too. I think that's a, he's got 80-grade name potential right there, man. Yeah, I I agree with you. I, Acuna is the, it's kind of like the prospect, right? That got traded so far. Um, I I think for for me, uh, uh, I looked up how to say his name because I actually didn't know, but it's uh, Thomas Sujaci, who just got traded from the Rangers to the Cardinals, was kind of the prize of the Jordan Montgomery deal on the Cardinals end of things. I think the Cardinals crushed it in this trade, whereas we kind of said earlier, like the other trade was just like, all right, makes sense. But this trade, getting Sujaci here, crushing it I, this is a guy who could be in the middle of the field who you know the the contact rate i'm sorry his ability to put the bat on the ball as some people like to say is very very good um he's he does have a swing and miss problem he strikes out too much and that's a bad sign for prospects but there's some good signs here there's improvements being made throughout his time in the minor leagues the batted ball quality has gone up a little bit He's, you know, at, I believe, double A this year, he was hitting 314, 385, 14. That's good. That, that, that's solid. You know, um, you know, I, I think it's very, very possible we see him in the big league sometime soon, especially with the likelihood that they're going to trade Paul DeYoung, potentially even Tommy Edmond. 
you know, I, I think that this guy can make an impact for the Cardinals right away. I, I, I like this pickup. I think he's a fringe top 100 guy. I know some people were kind of shocked, like, wow, Jordan Montgomery's been pretty good. You didn't get a top 100 guy for him. I think he's good. The other guys in that deal, John King, yeah, whatever, he's just a reliever. Uh, Takoyo Roby, I think is how you say his name. Again, he could be something, but he's just not really healthy enough. Uh, so JC is, is the guy here for the Cardinals. And I think that was a big get for them. Is there a prospect on people's radars or that could be traded that you think could have an impact in the future for a team? So, you know, I, I think that the big guy that I would look at from a fan perspective um, is you're looking at any of, I think you're looking at any of the pitching prospects the Yankees have is like, wh- which one of these guys could end up getting moved. I know Clayton Beater's been linked to the Cardinals and I feel like there's when there's smoke, there's fire. I feel like there's something that's going to happen there. Um, I don't necessarily think he's the best guy in their system. I, I do like Fitz Hampton Thorpe a lot more and Warren. I also like him more than I like Beater. But I think Beater at, at the very least presents like a really like he could be a reliever at the major league level right now. I just don't think he could be a star at the major league level right now. But that's still like work in progress. He's taken a lot of strides as a starter that I didn't think he'd take when he came over to the organization in the first place. So, you know, maybe he's just the guy who's a late bloomer. Who knows? Um, another name that's important that, you know, he's not a prospect, I guess, anymore, but like Matt Wallner, right? Like the, the twins may not have a position for him. He's kind of, uh, a, a guy who was seen as a quadruple a guy for a while has kind of hit his way onto the roster. He's gotten at bats. He's starting to pick it up with the bat. If the twins do move him, which I don't think they will, but if it's, I mean, it's reported that they're at least listening to offers. If he's moved, I think he'd be a fun, like bat first guy. Doesn't really have a position, not a great defender, but those type of guys can, you know, be undervalued by teams that don't have a position for them and be the perfect value for teams that just need a bat wherever they can get it and kind of have that DH spot a little more fluid. Not every team's got that set DH spot. It feels like with Bucks in situation in Minnesota, it is kind of set in stone for him who their DH is right now. So maybe he's a fun guy that gets moved. Um, but yeah, I mean, this market, it feels like I don't really know. I don't really know if there's as many sellers as, I don't know how a time that there's been so few sellers on the market really. So um, the, the the names for the prospect from the prospect side of things aren't great. Yeah, I the the name you're right. It's a seller's market with few sellers, lots of buyers, which creates problems. Um, to to put it lightly, uh, I I agree with you. Any of the Yankees pitching, the, whatever Sam Breen is paid is clearly not enough. That guy should get paid way more than what he's currently paid. Um, a guy that kind of you know comes to mind. The Orioles haven't done anything yet which is a little weird. Again, they are in first place. Do they need to do anything? Yes, because they they definitely need some starting pitching. Though Mike Elias's comments the other day of, I'm not going to gut the farm to try and you know win now, maybe not the most encouraging sign in the world. But also, they have eight top 100 prospects. Like, this is the time that you trade the prospects to go for it. You may not be this good next year. You have no idea what your team, you know, could be. Now, Grayson Rodriguez is not what they expected. I fully admit to that. But their outfield is crowded, in my opinion. Now, Mullins has been hurt and everything, but Austin Hayes is a solid player. Anthony Santander has been really good in right field. If you're the Orioles, I mean, if you say, hey, Heston Kierstead's available, I mean, come on, somebody's going to make somebody that wasn't previously available available, right? Like, 
if you if you dangled him out there, who's he's currently sixty five on Baseball America's top one hundred. So, you know, he's not an upper level prospect, but he's good in my opinion. He's probably a little higher than that ranking says he should be. If you dangled him out there, I mean, somebody's got to listen to that. He and it's not like you can you trade him and your farm is just decimated afterwards. You still have seven other top 100 prospects after that guy. I think you should be dangling one of them, right? Like this is the team to go all in on. This is the team to try and win the World Series on. Because if you do, it justify, shouldn't justify, but it does justify everything that you just did. All those years of tanking. I, I don't know. I, I see the Orioles' lack of activity, and I see it as kind of a, a, a little bit of an insult to the fan base of like, yeah, we're this good, and we're still going to just stick with our starting pitching staff that is leaving a little bit to be desired. So I think they should offer up one of maybe even two of those guys and see if you can convince the Padres to trade Blake Snell, see if you can – convince the White Sox to listen on Dylan Cease by offering up a couple of them. Because again, you have eight of them. Eight. You don't need to trade all of them to get somebody good. And you are producing talent at a very high clip right now. This is the time to trade some of that talent. If they called the White Sox tomorrow and said, I will give you three top 100 prospects, you know, Kierstad and two others, why would the White Sox say no? They'd be dumb not to. They would do that trade, and now you have Dylan Cease on your team. You are the best team in the American League, and he just got better. I think they have to do it, but they won't. I, I think they're pretty pretty comfortable standing pat, and that that is a little disheartening, but that's just me. That kind of you know wraps up the prospect segment. You know, we'll hopefully not be too long on the next show hopefully we'll be a little bit more closer to an hour but there are a lot of trades and you know plenty of things to talk about and everything like that um ryan any final thoughts yeah so i thought it was really interesting what you talked about with the Orioles in the sense of like hey like i understand you know you you want to make the right deal and i think elias too like I, I think everything he's done so far has at least given him enough credit that you can trust that he's going to do the right thing. Um, but he has shown a tendency. Like last year, he chose the Stones to buy, but it worked out for them, right? Like they get Yanner Cano from that. Um, they trade away Mancini. He hasn't amounted to anything since that trade. Jorge, Lo- or Jorge Lopez really has not. Like it's 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 an unfortunate situation for him because I still think he's super talented, but obviously he got traded to Miami and for like, Dylan, I think it was for Dylan Floro. Um, and it's like, you know, he's still bouncing around. He's trying to find it again. Um, Baltimore feels like they're smart enough to pull off a really good trade. Again, they don't have to sell the farm. They can just go out and get like a couple of nice uh, additions. Like if they bring back Eduardo Rodriguez, right? Like that would be amazing for them. Like that's, that's great. You don't have to, you know, not that you don't have to trade anything of note, but you know, is it going to cost that much more than Montgomery got, right? Like you can afford to, I think, make that trade especially since you you kind of have your infield set in stone. At least you hope to have your infield set in stone. Your outfield, you have a lot of pieces there that you hope to have for the, the foreseeable future. It feels like the position player part of the ball. Like, uh, you have Jackson, Jackson Holiday coming up too, and he seems like he's going to be a superstar. Like, I, I have no doubt in my mind that he's going to terrorize, you know, the American League East and all of baseball for years to come. Um, but you have Henderson. 
Um, you know, you have uh, Jordan Westberg who's part of that infield as well. I don't th- obviously Colton I don't think Kowser as well, right? Kowser. I don't really think that you're going to see guys like Adam Frazier here next year. So, you know, you're not looking at them as blocking anybody. Um, I am assuring myself, I'm going to check their depth chart because I know I'm missing somebody. Um, yeah, I didn't even, I haven't even mentioned Adley Rutschman, which is, I think is, uh, you know, probably the best catcher in baseball. Yeah. yeah so, crazy. you know, you're good. You might have, you might have at least most of your position players side of the ball figured out in the next two to three years. Just get rid of some of the guys that you don't, you don't necessarily have room for right now. There's a team that like Joey Ortiz is starting on an infield somewhere, especially in like a team like Detroit. That team has no bats. They don't have bats. You have plenty of them. That feels like a good match. You don't have to quote unquote win the deadline, have like a blockbuster buster, like Texas level deadline, but just have a good one, right? Just go out and make a couple of key additions, strengthen that team and see where it takes you because this AL is wide open. And it, again, if this if this team gets hot and they have the pitching to do and they figure out what have the pitching to do it, they might be deadly. I mean, in the postseason, if you have to see Cano and Bautista back to back, I mean, good luck. If, yeah, if you good lead, luck. if they lead by more than two runs in the seventh inning, that game is over. Um, and and, and that's an advantage that you know is not going to be as flashy as other advantages, but man, it'll certainly help. Uh, and they're young again, so they're a super volatile team. And at any point in time, you can have certain guys who have been underperforming go off, right? So. Yeah, and I guess my last thought uh, to wrap everything up is this is maybe not the most exciting deadline, but it's certainly the most interesting one. Like last year was like big name, big name. Oh my God, like the team. The Soto deal was crazy. Right, like, you know, Yankees have a big deadline. That makes sense. They're the Yankees and they're leading their division, right? Like um, that makes sense, right? Luis Uh, Castillo got traded for a King's ransom. Right, like, you know, the guys that you expect to get traded. Frankie Montas, you expect him to get traded at some point, right? Like there's no like... The Trevor story not getting traded two years ago. Oh that my God. Hilarious. Hey, even like so the storylines with Happ and Contreras, like that's kind of funny because it feels like it's repeating itself this time, right? Like you have Stroman and Bellinger. They had Happ and Contreras. They and let they go. Didn't of, tra- right. Like that think. kind that you could argue that worked out for them because they kept Happ. They let go of Contreras and tra- Contreras didn't amount to anything, Um, you know, or hasn't amounted to much in St. Louis that the Cubs don't feel like they can replace, but this is an interesting one. I don't really know what's going to happen between now and August 1st. And we and every game changes the perspective of who should sell or not, which is the funnest part because everyone seems to be good, but no one seems to be that great outside of like a couple of teams. So interesting deadline, as you mentioned. Um, and yeah, very excited to see how things play out and, and talk about it in our next episode. On the next one, we'll, we'll kind of recap the trade deadline again. We'll get back into some more segments that we'll have moving forward. We're going to record on every Sunday and release every monday moving forward you know we appreciate you guys listening into a longer first episode there was a bit more going on we promise that the episodes moving forward will be a little bit shorter so we thank you for listening to this first one uh ryan thank you for joining me i i had a lot of fun on this first one we're gonna have a lot of fun in the future i hope you guys enjoyed it um you know this is gonna be a interesting next few days so if you're a team you know you're a fan of a team that's looking to sell Hopefully you get what you want. If you're a fan of a team that's looking to buy, hopefully you get what you want. Unless you're the Houston Astros and I wish nothing good. I'm just kidding. I've got nothing against Astros fans. I Well, the Astros fans that I know, I think are fine. I actually like them. I don't really have anything against any team. Except for maybe the Red Sox, but that's okay. So... With that said, thank you guys for listening. This was an epi- our first episode of Caught Looking, a baseball podcast hosted by myself, Max Greenfield, and Ryan Garcia. We appreciate you guys listening. You know, join us next week when we recap the trade deadline.